0: Welcome back to Hit Parade, a podcast of pop chart history from Slate Magazine, about the hits from coast to coast. I'm Chris Melanfee, chart analyst, pop critic, and writer of Slate's Why Is This Song Number 1 series. On our last episode, we talked about the much-debated concept of the one-hit wonder, and I laid out all of the factors that go into determining what makes certain artists qualify for and escape that ignominious term. Now I'm going to present my three rules for one-hit wonderdom. I first came up with my one-hit wonder rules eight years ago, when I was the online chart columnist for New York newspaper The Village Voice. Back then, what prompted me to write about the concept was this song, a top ten hit in September of 2012. I'm in if you're down to get down tonight, it's always a good time, That's Good Time, a duet between Adam Young, a Minnesota artist who goes by the name Owl City, and the then-new Canadian pop star, Carly Rae Jepsen. This is not the most well-remembered hit for either artist. Three years earlier, Owl City had his first and only major solo hit, the 2009 number one smash, Fireflies i get a thousand hugs from 10,000 tried to teach me how to dance and 3 months before good time, Carly Rae Jepsen had scored a number 1 blockbuster of her own, the 2012 song of the summer call me maybe These are both higher charting and much better remembered hits than Good Time. However, the forgettable 2012 duet was statistically important for both Carly Rae Jepsen and Owl City. In an installment of his Yahoo Music column that week in September 2012, longtime chart columnist Paul Grine wrote, quote, Good Time is an appropriately positive title for a song that guarantees that neither act can fairly be referred to as a one-hit wonder, unquote. What if Good Time had only been a top 40 or a top 20 hit? Why did crossing into the top 10 ensure that these two artists were no longer one-hit wonders? This was when I decided that we needed actual parameters. I took it upon myself to come up with three one-hit wonder rules. And eight years later, if I do say so myself, I think my rules hold up pretty well. They aren't perfect. No one-hit-wonder rules could possibly anticipate all of the quirks and exceptional cases, like Los Del Rio's three versions of Macarena. But my rules, which are based around Billboard chart data, attempt to find a middle ground between hidebound parameters and public perception. I wanted to not only satisfy my fellow chart geeks, but throw a bone to the more casual pop fan who thinks, well, I don't remember a Gerardo hit after Rico Suave, so Gerardo must be a one-hit wonder. Casual pop follower, in this case, I agree with you. Rico Before I get to the rules, I have some preliminary stipulations. Stipulated. My rules are for the American charts, not those of the UK, Australia, any country in Europe or Asia, Latin America, or Africa. Hits in these places won't help you avoid one-hit wonder status here. Not to be xenophobic, but we have to draw the line somewhere. Look... Your band may be, to use the old cliché, big in Japan. For example, no kidding, San Francisco hard rock band y and scored multiple Japanese hits, but in America, they only hit the Hot 100 once, with 1985's Summertime Girls. So, as far as I'm concerned, Y&T are an American one-hit wonder. Second stipulation, and this is important. My rules focus on the Billboard Hot 100, our flagship, all-encompassing pop chart. I do not try to tally an artist's hits that might have appeared on Billboard's many genre-specific charts, such as r and hip-hop. Country, Dance, Adult Contemporary, All Flavors of Rock, or Latin Pop, to name just a few. And by the way, Billboard has literally dozens, possibly hundreds of charts, and launches new ones all the time. There are good reasons for this Hot 100 focus. For one thing, there are so many ways to call yourself a hitmaker, and we don't want to set the bar too low. For example, if I may invoke a chart topper I had to write about that I really can't stand, in the summer of 2014, this noxious reggae pop song, Rude, by Canadian band Magic, spent six weeks at number one on the hot one. Seriously, America? Anyway. I am happy to report that Magic, the band, never returned to the Hot 100, not even the chart's lowest rungs In fact, Magic has not returned to most of the charts where Rude made an appearance, not rock airplay, club songs, Latin airplay. However, on Adult Top 40, a very specific radio format, not to be confused with Adult Contemporary, that Billboard tracks with its own chart... Magic have come back a few times. After Rude, they got as far as number 35 on the Adult Top 40 chart with Let Your Hair Down. Do low-ranking songs on this small chart mean that Magic are no longer a one-hit wonder band? No. Just no. On the Hot 100, they charted once. That's enough for me to call them a one-hit wonder. And hopefully, this is the last time I will have to talk about magic. More seriously, the other reason we must stipulate that these rules only concern the Hot 100 is it's important to be respectful to artists who may be big in another home format. R&B and country fans, in particular, would be within their rights objecting to one-hit wonder status for favorites in those genres. For example, on the Hot 100, the Texas-born country singer Jeannie C. Riley only cracked the top 40 once, but it was a huge pop hit. Her 1968 number one smash, "Harper Valley PTA." When Mrs. Johnson wore her mini skirt into the room So, it's tempting to call Jeannie C. Riley a one-hit wonder. And on the Hot 100, technically, she was. But I'd be careful about using that term to describe Riley. Because on Billboard's country chart, Riley scored nearly two dozen hits between 1968 and 1976. Harper Valley PTA was her only number one, but she scored several top ten country hits, including the 1971 number four country hit "Oh Singer." Oh, singer. Sing about the, Sing about the same goes for Cheryl Lynn, an R&B and dance music vocalist who once sang with Toto and I therefore mentioned her briefly in our Yacht Rock episode. To pop fans, Cheryl Lynn is primarily known for one disco-era number-12 hit, the Rafter-Raising Pride anthem, Got to be Real. While this was Lynn's only top 40 pop hit, on Billboard's R&B chart, Lynn scored about a dozen hits. Got to Be Real went to number one on that chart, and it wasn't her only one. 1984's Encore, produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, also topped the R&B chart. could drive ourselves crazy adding asterisks to all of the artists who have scored hits on genre charts and small radio charts. So let's just resolve that the one hit wonder rules I am about to present apply only to hits on the Hot 100. With all of that stipulated, here we go. One hit wonder, rule one. A second hit that makes the top 10 of Billboard's Hot 100 instantly removes an artist from one-hit-wonder status. Yeah. This is what Paul Grine meant when he said that good time prevented either Owl City or Carly Rae Jepsen from being called a one-hit wonder. It's also what Billboard's editors meant when they affirmed that Lewis Capaldi's Before You Go ensured he was no longer a one-hitter. If you can break into the pop top ten just one more time, you deserve to be retired from the one-hit list. So, for example, when Crowded House, one of my favorite bands of the 1980s, scored a number two hit in 1987 with Don't Dream It's Over, and then immediately made it back to the top 10 with the number seven hit, Something So Strong. Something so strong could carry us away. Something that guaranteed they were out of contention for one hitter status. Note, after Something So Strong, Crowded House never returned to the American top 40, but it didn't matter that second top ten hit meant they were done. You can't call Crowded House a one-hit wonder. Of course, the real test of a rule like this is not with a band you love, but with an act that most people consider a punchline. So yeah, let's talk about Robbie Van Winkle. Yo, VIP! Let's kick! a.k.a. Vanilla Ice. VH1 ranks Ice Ice Baby, his blockbuster 1990 number one hit, among its ten biggest one-hit wonders. And, look, I get it. Vanilla Ice was a flash in the pan. He positively reeks of one-hit wonder funk. But, I hate to break it to you, it's really unfair to call him that. He had another hit, a pretty big one. Uh, no. Not Ninja Rap, his single from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. And not his collaboration with supermodel Naomi Campbell, Cool as Ice, from his cinematic masterwork of the same name. Okay, I'll stop dunking on Vanilla Ice. In a minute. The real reason Ice isn't a one hit wonder with Ice Ice Baby is the single he dropped immediately afterward, a cover of Wild Cherry's 1976 number one hit, Play That Funky Music. Ice was back with a brand new invention, and it reached number four in February 1991. What, you don't remember its classic chant, Go White Boy, Go White Boy, Go? Whatever you think of this recording. Play That Funky Music was a top 10 hit. Top 5, actually. That means that, by any reasonable standard, and contrary to what VH1 says, Vanilla Ice is not a one-hit wonder. By the way, neither is the equally dopey late 90s boy band LFO, who reached number three in 1999 with Summer Girls, their ode to women who wear Abercrombie and Fitch. I like girls Abercrombie and Fitch. I wish. She's been gone since that summer since that summer. And LFO followed it with the number 10 hit Girl on TV. Which takes them out of one hit wonder contention. mind in the warm sunshine? She's or Mark, Marky Mark Wahlberg. He can't be called a one hit wonder either. Come on, come on. His number one smash with the Funky Bunch, Good Vibrations featuring Loliata Holloway, was followed immediately by the number 10 hit, Wild Side. By the way, listen closely to the sample in that second Marky Mark hit. I'm going to point out a small irony in a few minutes. The bottom line of rule one is that any artist who comes back to the top 10 is, at the very least, a two-hit wonder. That includes acts as goofy as Vanilla Ice, LFO, and Marky Mark, and artists as acclaimed as recent Grammy winner Lizzo. It took Lizzo several years to break on the Hot 100. Her 2017 single, Truth Hurts, didn't top the chart until last year, in September 2019. But right after it did, her 2016 single, Good As Hell, quickly followed Truth Hurts into the top ten, where it peaked at number three. So whatever happens to Lizzo's career from here, she will never be called a one-hit wonder, thanks to her pair of top 10 hits. Okay, but wasn't I saying a little while ago that a second top 40 hit should be good enough to eliminate one-hit wonder status? Yes, sometimes. That's where rule two comes in, but listen closely, because it's a little complicated. One-Hit Wonder Rule 2. An act that scores a second hit that makes the top 40 on the Hot 100 shall not be considered a one-hit wonder unless that second hit is scored within six months of the first hit and is never followed by another top 40 hit. Almost all hit acts, even fleeting ones, are given a honeymoon period, where a second hit will be momentarily embraced by U.S. radio and the public. That doesn't really mean the act has escaped the shadow of its one hit. Let's go back to my Young MC. I can't wait to find a girl to pass to my feeling, give me When Principal's office reached number 33 in early 1990, about three months after his smash "Busta a Move, it might have seemed that Young MC had escaped one-hit wonder status. But Principal's Office was an obvious coattails hit, like Michael Zambello's Automatic Man. It never would have cracked the top 40 if Bust a Move hadn't come first. Just bust a move. After Principal's Office, Young MC never returned to the top 40. According to my Rule 2, even after that second hit, Young MC still qualifies as a one-hit wonder. If Principal's Office had gone top 10, Young MC would have escaped the curse. But it didn't, so he doesn't. This rule is my biggest concession to the culture camp. Those who sense that certain acts just feel like one-hit wonders. Chart data be damned. It's hard for us pop geeks, with our exacting recall of chart stats, to let go of the idea that a hit is a hit, and a second chart hit means you're no longer a one-hit wonder. But an understanding of the deeper workings of the charts makes my second rule logical. Radio programmers and record buyers go on autopilot with an act after they have a big hit. A middling second hit doesn't mean they're permanently in love with, say, Falcons. So, after the Austrian new wave singer and rapper reached number one on the Hot 100 in the spring of 1986 with Rock Me Amadeus, Falco reached the top 20 just one more time with his immediate follow-up, Vienna Calling. It peaked at number 18 just three months after Rock Me Amadeus. And then Falco never came back to the Hot 100. By any reasonable standard, Falco is a one-hit wonder, and his one real American hit is Rock Me Amadeus. This is why the six months or less gap between hits in my Rule number 2 is important. It's designed to distinguish follow-ups that are coattails hits from those that hit the charts on their own power. For comparison with Falco and Young MC, let's consider Montreal band Men Without Hats. No of mine. See, we can Clearly, we this want to. is the hit they are best known for, 1983's number 3 smash, The Safety Dance. This lovable but gimmicky hit practically screams one-hit wonder. And indeed, VH1 included Men Without Hats on their countdown. But that ignores the group's second American Top 40 hit. Pop Goes the World reached number 20 on the Hot 100 in February 1988 about four and a half years after the safety dance peaked. The catchy Pop Goes the World, which, incidentally, doesn't sound much like the safety dance at all, rose on its own strength. It's not riding the coattails of their 1983 hit. Essentially, in 1987, Men Without Hats rebuilt their pop profile in America from scratch. Though they never came back to the top 40 after Pop Goes the World, they don't deserve to be tagged as one hit wonders. I sometimes informally call Rule 2 the Aha Rule, because it answers the conundrum that divides chart fanatics. Are the Norwegian pop gods behind Take On Me one hit wonders? Let's be clear. Outside of the United States, AHA are decidedly not one-hitters. And I don't just mean in their native Norway, where, unsurprisingly, they've scored 19 top 10 hits, including nine number ones. No, I mean around the world, from Austria to Australia and virtually all points in between. AHA have sold out stadiums in Brazil and gone gold in Japan. As recently as a decade ago, AHA's single Foot of the Mountain went top 10 in both Germany and Norway and even made the lower rungs of the British charts. Speaking of Britain, the key to understanding the one hit wonder debate over AHA is this song which went to number one in the UK, The Sun Always Shines on TV. TV. It's AHA's only British chart topper, but they scored eight other UK top ten hits, so there's no questioning their multi-hitter status in that country. No, the issue is in America, where the Sun Always Shines on TV peaked at number 20 in February 1986. That's just four months after they hit number one on the Hot 100 with Take on Me, which, to this day, remains the only A-ha hit to receive appreciable American airplay. This makes The Sun Always Shines on TV a coattails hit on the Hot 100. And, by the way, AHA never broke the American Top 40 again. And so, I sayeth unto you, even though they scored two Top 40 hits here, and countless hits around the world, in America, AHA are a one-hit wonder. I can hear the AHA fans howling now. One of them tweeted at me before this episode even dropped, after I announced that we'd be talking about One Hit Wonders, implying that I'd better not be giving AHA that tag. Listen, I like AHA. I think they should have had multiple American hits. The Sun Always Shines on TV should have made our top 10. And Cry Wolf, a number 50 hit on the Hot 100 in 1987, should have made the top 40. And their theme to the movie The Living Daylights, while not ranked highly by James Bond aficionados, probably should have done better on the charts. It didn't even crack the Hot 100s. facts are facts. The Sun Always Shines on TV clearly only made our top 40 because of its world-conquering predecessor. Nothing else by AHA came close. And Take On Me is a pretty great hit to be remembered by. I doubt lead singer Morton Harkett is losing sleep over his American chart status. Applying this rule on the charts of the last decade, I find it still useful. Two years ago, the British R&B singer Ella May broke on the American charts with Boot Up, a number five pop hit in July 2018. Three months later, she peaked at number 11 with her follow-up hit, Trip. To date, it's her last top 40 hit on the Hot 100. So, is Ella May a one-hit wonder? On the pop chart, the jury is still out. On the Billboard R&B chart, May has scored three hits. But her follow-up pop hit peaked one slot below the top 10. Until LMA returns to the pop top 40 with a third hit, she remains, arguably, a hot 100 one-hit wonder. But we’re all rooting for her Ain't gotta tell you what to do. One other way Ella May could remove herself from the one-hit wonder discussion would be to release more albums. What does that have to do with it, you ask? Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person Ever think those fables and fairy tales from back in the day are just a little bit dusty? Wondery and Tinkercast are bringing you a new kids and family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Join host DJ Fuchs and his trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as they deliver remixes of fables and folktales, rhythm and rhymes, and fun spins on classics as old as time. Grab the whole family and get ready to groove, because they're putting the rap in Rapunzel and getting down with that funky duckling. Where hip-hop and fables meet, it's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to all episodes of Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. My first two rules cover most one-hit wonders on the pop chart. But what about acts like Jimi Hendrix or The Grateful Dead, who score one solitary top 40 hit but just don't read as one-hit wonders? For that, we need one last rule. One-hit-wonder rule three. Any act that scores at least three top ten or platinum albums is removed from one-hit-wonder consideration entirely. There are some acts whose popularity is reflected on the album chart more than the Hot 100. For these acts, I offer an escape hatch. Jimi Hendrix, for example, died young in 1970 at age 27. But both before and after his passing, he scored a slew of hit albums, including three top five albums in the late 60s and more than a dozen gold or platinum albums after 1971 so it doesn't make much sense to call him a one-hit wonder just because All Along the Watchtower was his only top 40 hit. Not when he has so many hits on the pop album chart. The same goes for The Dead, even though their chart pattern is a bit different. They only have one top 10 album, 1987's In the Dark, which spawned their only top 40 hit, Touch of Grey. But they have a half-dozen platinum albums, including the double platinum American Beauty, originally released in 1970, which gave us their aforementioned minor hit single, Truckin'. She lost you know she the same. Living on red, vitamin C and This rule might seem like shameless pandering to classic rock fans. But it not only makes sense commercially, it's also a harder rule to beat than you might think. For example, even with this rule in place, this two time Rock and Roll Every Hall of Famer still counts pay pay. as a one hit wonder. A hustle here and a hustle there. New York City is the place where they said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Former Velvet Underground frontman Lou Reed famously made the Hot 100 only once with Walk on the Wild Side, his David Bowie and Mick Ronson-produced story song about characters from Andy Warhol's factory scene. The improbably catchy song reached number 16 on the Hot 100 in the spring of 1973 just weeks after David Bowie himself scored his first American Top 40 hit, Space Oddity. Unlike Bowie, though, Reed never touched the Hot 100 again. As legendary as Lou Reed was, the so-called godfather of punk and alternative rock, he was also only a moderate album seller. Only one of his LPs, 1974's Sally Can't Dance, cracked the album chart top ten. And Reed's best-selling LP, The Live Rock and Roll Animal, only went gold. So, even with my Rule 3 in place, Lou Reed remains a one-hit wonder, thanks to Walk on the Wild Side the song that Marky Mark Wahlberg sampled in 1991 for his top ten hit, Wild Side." Yeah, you heard that right. Not only did Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch peak higher with that classic bass line than Lou Reed did, Wahlberg's version also helped him escape one-hit wonder status, while Lou Reed only had the one hit. As Lou sang, a hustle here and a hustle there. Reed is not the only Hall of Famer who qualifies as an American one-hit wonder. T-Rex, the 70s band led and embodied by glam rock icon Mark Bolin, are being inducted into the Hall this year. And in their U.K. homeland, they scored four number-one singles, from Hot Love to Telegram Sam. But in the States, Mark Bolin and T-Rex are largely known for just one song, their only American Top 40 hit, Get It On, Bang A Gong. It reached number 10 on the Hot 100 in 1972. With no Top 10 or Platinum albums, by my rules, T-Rex remain a one-hit wonder. Other rockers who are not saved by Rule 3, and whom VH1 failed to include on any of its one-hit wonder lists, Include rockabilly and reverb revivalist Chris Isaac, who has only two platinum albums and one top five hit 1991's Wicked Game, no, wanna fall in love with you. and alt rocker Liz Fair after her string of acclaimed 90s indie albums, signed to the majors in the 2000s and cracked the top 40 in 2003 with the number 32 hit, Why Can't I? Still, Rule 3 does rescue quite a few guitar rock acts from the one-hit wonder tag, from Judas Priest to the White Stripes. Bands from the 2000s are especially well-served by this rule, from Incubus, who have only one top 40 hit, number 9 Drive, but multiple platinum albums... To Papa Roach, who broke into the top 40 only once with the number 15 hit, Scars, but have racked up several top 10 albums. Or consider recent Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Radiohead. For the first 15 years of their existence, they only cracked the U.S. Top 40 once, with the instant classic Creep. It reached number 34 in 1993. The Radiohead then went on to be regular hit makers in the U.K., But in the U.S., they were avatars of the avant-garde. Several of their top ten hits in England, from High and Dry to Karma Police, were too prickly for the American airwaves. Yet by 2000, Radiohead began topping the U.S. album chart with cutting-edge albums like Kid A. In my estimation, this meant that Radiohead stopped factoring into the one-hit wonder debate they were too well-known by too many music consumers to register only as the band that brought you Creep. In an unexpected twist, in 2008, the band scored one more Top 40 hit. Thanks to a short-lived special promotion at the iTunes Music Store, Nude spent a single week on the Hot 100 at number 37. Still, long before Nude's fluke success, would anyone have considered Radiohead a one-hit wonder? In 1997, when their OK Computer album was released? Maybe. In 2000, when Kid A debuted at number one on the album chart? Surely not. Moving into the most recent decade, My Rule 3 has been a bigger help for pop and hip-hop acts looking to escape one-hit wonder status. Australian pop star Troy Sivan has, to date, only one U.S. Top 40 hit to his name, his 2016 hit Youth, which reached number 16. However, in the last six years, as Savan has emerged as a gay icon and pop idol to American audiences, he has cracked the top ten on the Billboard album chart four times. He doesn't really read as a one-hit wonder anymore. Oh my, my. In the Spotify era, where streams factor into both the Hot 100 and the Billboard 200 album chart, certain rappers may do better on the album chart. This includes Lil Uzi Vert. As a featured artist, he appeared on a number one hit by Migos, their early 2017 chart topper Bad and Bougie. Switching my hoes like my flows. my flows like my clothes. Keep on shooting that gun ooh, ooh. But through 2017, as a lead artist, Lil Uzi Vert only had one major hit to his name. The number 7 hit XO Tourl. Uzi has thrown dozens of songs at the charts most of which have not been promoted to radio stations. But his albums are big sellers. He eventually returned to the top 10 with 2020's Baby Pluto, but not before scoring three platinum albums. Effectively, Lil Uzi Vert stopped being a one-hit wonder a couple of years ago. I brought her yeah, I brought me a Maybach, came with doors, yeah, that's a I stay with the and county while making my lady So, those are my one-hit wonder rules. Maybe you have your own. I admit the six-month gap between top 40 hits that I baked into rule two is a bit arbitrary. The album chart rule is certainly debatable. But my goal is to come up with parameters that are fair to the artists and the fans, providing a more fluid but more defensible definition of one-hit wonder. My three rules do not grant VH1 the right to call Men Without Hats a one-hit wonder. Or, for that matter, Spandau Ballet. Hey, VH1 producers, did you forget this? Spandau Ballet are known for more than the song True. This song, Only When You Leave, was their third top 40 hit. Truthfully, the phrase, flash in the pan, should probably be used more often. Spandau ballet weren't a one-hit wonder, but in America, at least, they were a flash in the pan. As we enter the 2020s, nearly a decade into the streaming era on the charts, you might think few artists are really one-hit wonders anymore. Thanks to Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Music, rappers and pop stars can now score a dozen or more instant Hot 100 hits the week an album drops. But even today, it's still possible to score one massive, blazing, outsized hit. Like this song. Maybe earlier this year, before the COVID-19 pandemic took hold, when you were out and about in the world, maybe you heard this wafting through the airwaves. This is Dance Monkey, and it's by the quirky Australian singer and songwriter Tony Watson, who goes by the name Tones and I. This former street busker in Byron Bay, New South Wales, wrote Dance Monkey by herself, When it broke into the Hot 100's Top 5 in February 2020, it became the first new hit written entirely by a solo woman in about a decade, since a pair of 2010 hits by Taylor Swift. Frankly, America was a little late on Tones and I. In late 2019, Dance Monkey was a true global hit. It went to number one in more than 30 countries, including the UK, where it spent a staggering 11 weeks at number one, and in Tony Watson's Australian Homeland, where it spent a record 24 weeks on top. On our Hot 100, Dance Monkey eventually peaked at number four. However, while Toni Watson was able to follow her hit with a top 10 or top 40 hit in several countries, in the States, seven months later, Tones and I has yet to appear on the Hot 100 again. But not for lack of trying. And you took a of me, left me with the memories, oh, you we were never a family, now standing in front of my door. Like In the spring. After the COVID-19 lockdown began, Toni Watson recorded this performance live from her bedroom of a single called Bad Child for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Bad Child hasn't made our charts yet, but it's now been long enough since her one American hit that if this or any other Tones and I single reaches our top 40, she would cease to be a one-hit wonder. Even during a pandemic, one hit wonders are still looking to change their fate. Acting like my life like everything I do is just a let down. Feeling like I always do things, telling all the friends. That I- I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hit Parade. Our show was written, edited, and narrated by Chris Melanfi. That's me. My producer for this episode was Benjamin Frisch, and we also had help from Rosemary Belson. June Thomas is the senior managing producer, and Gabriel Roth, the editorial director of Slate Podcasts. Check out their roster of shows at slate.com podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to leading the hit parade back your way. Until then, keep on marching on the one. I'm Chris Melanfi. And of course, to continue the conversation from this episode, we have our monthly episodes of Hit Parade, The Bridge, which are exclusive to Slate Plus members only. This month on The Bridge, we have Billboard's Jason Lipschutz. He joins me to talk about the Chart Magazine's official rulings about one-hit wonders. We also talk about his interview with Lewis Capaldi, in which Capaldi discussed how it felt to no longer be a one-hit wonder in America. To sign up for Slate Plus to support our show, head over to slate.com slash hitparadeplus.